That's their status. The Episcopalians, the head minister of the church is the rector. Guess what they are in the Lutheran church? The pastor. <laughs> if you want to be polite to an Episcopal priest, if it's a male, you call them mother. If it's a woman, you call them mother. Guess what you call a Lutheran? Pastor. <laughs> One word. Not <laughs> easy. But as far as I'm concerned, you can call me father, you can call me pastor, you can call me Delmer. Delmer. Mostly it's Delmer. Just don't forget to call me when it's time to eat. <laughs> Who do you say that I am, Jesus said? Who do people say that I am? Look around this room, I know there's some people who've been North Carolinians long enough that they'll remember the name Fad Ewer. Fad Ewer was Secretary of State in North Carolina for over 50 years, from the 1930s into the 1980s. When he first ran, he was in his 30s, and his campaign slogan was, Give a Young Man a Chance. The last time he ran, he said, pay no attention to that young man. <laughs> he was an entertaining and informative speaker who usually referred to himself as the oldest rat in the Democratic barn. <laughs> he liked to tell a story about a politician at a big campaign rally where they were having a fried chicken dinner after the rally out under a tent. <coughs> so this particular candidate had spent several hours Passing up <coughs> campaign buttons, shaking hands, kissing babies, doing all the things you do. And he finally got the chance to make his little five-minute speech. You know, there were a whole group of them. And when he got done, it was a hot day. He goes out under the food tent, and he walks through the line, and they hand him a plate. And it has potato salad and green beans and a biscuit and just a chicken leg. He, he looked at that chicken leg and he was awfully hungry and he leaned over the table and smiled his best politician smile at the server and said, may I have a, another piece of chicken? She said, one piece per person. He tried to get it. He said, you know, I'm a big guy and I'm pretty hungry and this is just a little bitty leg. One piece per person. <laughs> Well, he lost his temper and tried to pull rank. He said, look, do you know who I am? She said, no, sir, but I know who I am. I'm the chicken lady. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one piece per person. <laughs> Our gospel lesson turns on questions of identity. Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? They responded with several interesting theories. John the Baptist, who had recently died. Elijah, who had ascended to heaven without dying, and whose return was thought by some to be the first sign of the coming of the Messiah. Or perhaps one of the other prophets returned from the dead to call us back to our former greatness. Now, without commenting on the various identities the public had given him, Jesus looked at his disciples and made the question much more personal. Who do you say that I am? As usual, Peter jumped in and spoke first. Well, you are the Messiah. Good answer. But when Jesus began to explain what being the Messiah meant, 
the trouble started. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. Peter apparently stopped listening at the be killed part. What? Wait, no! That can't be right! Suffer? Be rejected? Be killed? No! No, not, not you! Peter took Jesus aside to rebuke him. <laughs> well, we think he kind of said, no, nah, you shouldn't have said that, Jesus. I'm going to rebuke you. You shouldn't have said that. The Greek word here means something much stronger. It means to prevent someone from doing wrong. He had said to Jesus, you just told him you're the Messiah, and now he said, yeah, but you don't know what that means. Let me get you straight. That's what we'd say. We'd take him aside and set him straight. That's what Peter was trying to do. Because Peter had his own ideas about what being the Messiah meant. He wanted the strong person Jesus, the conquering Jesus, the majestic rescuer Jesus, riding in at the last moment with trumpets blaring, flags flying, sabers glinting in the sun. The Romans are routed and all is well. That's the Jesus, the Messiah, Peter was looking for. All the suffering and rejection and dying did not fit in with Peter's understanding of Jesus' identity. And it most especially did not fit in with Peter's understanding of his own identity. point Jesus picked up on immediately. Because he rebuked Peter in turn. That line, get behind me, Satan. We usually think of that as Peter is a temptation that Jesus needs to put behind him, which is part of what it means. <coughs> this is a temptation to not go to the cross. Get behind me, Satan. Don't tempt me to avoid my faith. But it also is tied to the next thing about following. Peter, you're trying to get in front of me. Get behind me. If any want to become my followers, Jesus says, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Get behind me. This question of identity isn't just about Jesus. It's not just about Peter and the disciples. It's also about us. If Jesus is the Christ, destined for the awfulness of the cross instead of the glory of earthly honor and kingship, then who are we? What exactly does it mean for us to call ourselves Christians? Little Christ to one another is how Luther phrased it. What does it mean to be a Christian? According to Jesus, to be a Christian, to be a follower, to get behind Jesus means suffering and rejection and death. And like Peter, most of us would rather not. We are willing to follow Jesus, to get behind the Messiah, but not too close behind. Not close enough to get in harm's way. 
So all this language about deny self and take up a cross and follow is difficult, very difficult for most of us. Our desire to be good Christian people, to serve the Lord, to follow Jesus, comes into conflict with our basic human instinct for self-preservation. If we hear and understand Jesus' words about suffering and rejection and the cross as losing our life, as literally calling us to physical death and obedience to our faith, if we think that to deny self, take up a cross, to lose our lives for others means to make some huge and heroic sacrifice on behalf of Christ and the world, then most of us fail miserably in the following Jesus. Instead, we all live perfectly ordinary pedestrian lives, hardly distinguishable from the lives of our unbelieving and uncommitted neighbors. Except for this. If we know who we are as baptized and beloved children of God, marked with the cross of Christ forever, then every day is a day alive with possibilities rife with opportunities to act a little bit to ourselves and to give a piece of our lives for others. For most of us, it's not dramatic and it's not sudden. It's as simple as we listen to the neighbor kids' problems for just a little while. We go into a boring but necessary committee. We spend a night at a home. We provide a meal for a sick neighbor. We visit someone in a nursing home. We call the pastor and tell her that her sermon helped us this week. <laughs> <laughs> We treat the teenager at the drive through window with respect, whether they deserve it or not. I put that in there for me. As we sit here today and we, we've been watching the news and we know that our fellow North Carolinians are drowning seas of water, and I've been through some of that kind of stuff before most of us have in various places. It's going to be weeks and months and years of recovery, and most of it will not be diving into the water and pulling someone out. The professionals are doing that. The way we'll give our lives for others is going down and mucking out houses or giving donations or finding a way to help people the next few years that need recovery, giving up some of our life for the life of someone else. The list goes on and on and on as we begin to recognize ourselves as people who give up a piece of our life every day and give it to others so that they may live. See, usually giving our lives to Christ is neither glorious nor spectacular. It's done in little acts of love one random act of kindness after another. 
living the Christian life little by little, day after day, a little longer. <coughs> Do you know who you are? The server in the tent knew who she was. She was the chicken lady. And her job was giving out chicken one piece at a time. You know who you are? Jesus knew who he was. He was the Messiah. His job was preach, teach, heal, suffer, be rejected, and go to the cross in obedience to God's family. Do you know who you are? We are invited this day to remember that we are beloved and baptized children of God, called upon by Christ to deny ourselves, to take up our daily cross, and follow Him. Amen. Amen.